Welcome to Biz Help For You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Please note, because my guests were not available to be on today's show live, the episode was pre-recorded. Since then, Congress passed and President Trump has signed an update to the time limit and the required spending for payroll costs. However, the topic for forgiveness is still extremely relevant, so we decided to continue to air this episode. Welcome to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, You in the Pilot Seat, Flying a Helicopter is Like Business, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abnp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Michael DeDonato holds JD and MBA degrees and works with small business development centers hosted by the El Camino College. He's a master strategist as a senior business executive, business advisor, consultant, and CFO who works with startups, early stage, and small businesses. He brings a wealth of experience through his history working in manufacturing, healthcare, consumer goods, construction, and the aerospace defense industries. His functional expertise is in accounting and financial management. So, Michael, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity, Ken. I'm glad to have you here discussing this topic. I know there's a lot of questions that business owners have regarding the forgiveness of their loans. Um, But before we get into the questions that I have for you, I would love for you just to give a little bit more of your background uh, so people can understand why you're an expert in this area. Sure. I grew up in the East Coast. My father was a controller for a public company. I started very young in the accounting field. I went on to get my finance degree Worked my way up to, from controller to CFO for decades, and then I came out of corporate world to do consulting work. And for the past four years, I've been working for the Small Business Development Center out of El Camino College, and more recently out of Long Beach City College. I am based on the West Coast in Los Angeles. Perfect. And for those who don't know what the Small Business Development Center is, you want to give a brief description? Sure. The SBDC Small Business Development Center is actually 1,100-plus centers across the nation. We are a very large advisory group providing free services to business communities throughout the country. It is mostly funded by a grant from the SBA. Uh, We also have matching funds from the various colleges and some fund or grant opportunities through states. Right. It's a great resource for the small business owner who needs some, you know, advice from professionals that can help them in all different areas. Um, And we can get into that maybe at the end if we have time. But what I really wanted to start with first is really reviewing the basics of what the PPP and the idle loan programs are, just to remind listeners about the differences. Sure. So PPP stands for a Paycheck Protection Program. It was put in place under the CARES Act. And it was to provide funding to keep people basically on payroll, keep them out of unemployment lines. Um, and mostly everybody in business can apply for a PPP and through numerous sources, numerous lenders, including online lenders and their own banks. Most banks will do it. Um, so I'll review the terms of the PPP loan, if that's okay with you, Candy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the interest rate is 1% per year. The term is 24 months with the first six months deferred and the interest uh, accrued. It is guaranteed 100% by the SBA. Once again, it is through a lender. There is no collateral required. The credit score is determined by a lender. I've heard of only one or two situations where someone was denied because of a credit score. 
the maximum amount is $10 million for this PPP loan. Um, it is forgivable, and that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit later. And you had to be in operation as of 2-15-2020. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another program called EIDL, which we'll also go into a little later. Okay, perfect. So, obviously, then, the PPP calculation is allowing for costs that were paid to independent contractors as well as, you know, employees. Uh, so, if they weren't on payroll themselves, they were able to apply. Um, and so, a lot of the businesses took into consideration if they paid independent contractors that amount within their figure for what they requested. So can you explain to borrowers then why they can't actually use those payments to independent contractors in their payroll calculation for the loan forgiveness? Payroll costs were supposed to be calculated on certain criteria and independent contractors could apply on their own. So Mm -hmm. therefore the calculation for the loan did not include payments for independent contractors. And going forward for the forgiveness portion, payments to independent contractors should not be counted. Right. So I think people were considering like, well, I'm paying someone to do something like they, if they were an employee and, and calculated that, but it's not allowed because the independent contractor themselves gets to apply for that PPP loan themselves. So that would kind of be, they'd be covered twice, basically. That is correct. And, and additionally, within California, a new law came in effect as of January 1st called AB5, which basically says everybody's an employee unless they meet a specific exception. It's very strict. Right. And there's a lot of people, we had a topic on that on a show recently, too, just explaining what that is. But yeah, there's a lot of confusion surrounding that, too. Um, but I just wanted to actually cover, too, that company owners, their compensation if paid through payroll could also be included in the forgiveness, but if they take anything as a distribution through non-payroll, uh, that they can't count that, even though it's technically their compensation. So can you explain to listeners then why they can't include what would be a distribution as part of their income for this forgiveness? Well, distributions are taxed at a different rate than payroll. This ordinary income tax rates, which may be 25, 30% based upon your wages. But distributions and dividends are taxed at the capital gains rate, which might be 10 points lower. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you could not take a distribution and go after a PPP loan. Now, those right. people who file Schedule Cs, if they're uh, sole proprietors or the single-member LLCs, could apply and obtain PPP loans. And it's right. based upon line 31 of Schedule C. And I think that's where the confusion lies because people are saying, well, you know, when an independent, you know, sole proprietor is taking their compensation, it's not paid through payroll. It shows up, you know, on their Schedule C. They have, you know, taxes, self-employment tax. And as, let's say, an S-Corp owner, you know, I'm kind of doing the same thing, but it's really not the same. But I think that's where there's some confusion in this is why are certain people able to deduct what they're drawing out of the company and other people aren't. Yes, because as corporation owners, they should be taking payroll. If they don't take payroll, it's considered distribution and it's taxed at the capital gains rate, not at the ordinary income tax rate. Right. And that's where the problem lay. Right. Well, a lot of people still, if they're S-corporation, they will still be on payroll, but it's maybe less than they pay themselves overall, right? And I think that's where, again, the the confusion was lying because people are saying, but I pay myself, let's say, X dollars a month, but they only pay, you know, maybe three quarters of that or half of that through payroll. And that's where I think some of that confusion was. Correct. S-corporation owners should be paying themselves a competitive salary. In other Mm -hmm. words, cannot take the majority of the income as capital gains uh, because then you gain an advantage with regards to taxes. So the IRS requires you to pay a competitive salary uh, as payroll. Right, exactly. And what I would actually love to have you do, I think most people who have been applying for this you know, have gone over what the terms are of what really qualifies for forgiveness, what they should be doing. But can you touch on, again, the ratio of, you know, payroll costs to non-payroll costs and, um, you know, basically how they would calculate those numbers? Well, it's a 75-25 rule. The the calculation is kind of complicated. If you enjoy doing taxes, you'll enjoy doing the forgiveness calculation. But in essence, it's a 75-25 rule. 75% of the funds 
can or more can be used for payroll and payroll-related costs in order to obtain 100% forgiveness. Mm-hmm. 25% can be used for non-payroll costs in order to obtain um, 100% forgiveness. The forgiveness is reduced depending on how much is used, uh, you know, based on that allocation. Right, and of um, course so, that 25% is very specific on what cost they can actually use it for. Right, and that is rent, utilities, interest on commercial interest mortgages, which also includes personal property, and leases on personal property. Personal property, in this case, we're talking about things like copiers and even vehicles. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's important for people to understand, too, is that it's really not just any overhead cost, but it's very specific to those few things. Right. It's, it's rent yeah. utilities. So what's included in rent utilities? Gas, electric, water. Some people actually have to haul water. So the distribution mm-hmm. of utilities is also included. Uh, items such as alarm and security monitoring and uh, garbage collection. It's not quite clear whether or not that's covered. The AICPA recommends that you speak to your lender regarding those types of items for utility expenses. Right. Keep in mind, you can't double dip. Uh, mm-hmm. Want me to cover that topic? Right. Yes. If you re- yeah. Okay. If you received an idle loan, economic injury disaster loan, that loan is meant for working capital costs. Those costs that you could have paid had the economic disaster not occurred. You cannot take funds from the idle loan and pay rent and take funds from the PPP loan and take rent. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation is you use idle loans for working capital costs and use PPP for what it's meant, which is payroll and payroll-related right. costs. Exactly. Well, I think that's good for people to understand because I think there was confusion around those two because they're both from the SBA and they're not necessarily understanding the differences between the two. So I think that was really good to touch on that as well. And I think one other thing to touch on for people is when they're looking at payroll costs, what really is included in that too, obviously salaries. Um, but I think there's some confusion on which taxes can be included. And I know most tax cannot, um, but I believe it was just the state uh, tax that they, you know, their unemployment insurance tax, I believe, if that's correct. The state and employer payroll taxes, which are forgivable. Uh, and in California, that includes the employment training tax as well as unemployment insurance. Other states mm-hmm. may have other employer taxes. Additionally, right. salaries, wages, commissions, tips, employee benefits for vacation, sick, such allowances for separation, group health care benefits. It has to be group health care benefits, including insurance premiums. Mm-hmm. Um, 401k, 403, 403B payments, that's for nonprofits, that can be included. But anyone being paid an amount annualized over $100,000, that excess over $100,000 was to be discounted from the loan calculation and to be discounted from the forgiveness calculation. Right, right. And I think uh, people are also thinking it might be good to actually give them that figure because like, oh, I haven't made 100000 but it's the 15000 what, 345 or something like that, right, is what they, is the max. About, it's 15385 over the eight-week period. Mm-hmm. The eight-week period is referred to as the covered period. The covered period is starts from the date of the funding date, or there's an alternative covered period, which is the first day of the next payroll following the funding date. Right. And I think we actually have time for one more question before we end up going to the break, and it's related to that alternative covered date. I saw that it says that anyone who pays weekly or bi-weekly could change the date to this alternative date, not the date they got the funding, but it doesn't say anything about semi-monthly. Do you know why that is the case? Actually, it says borrowers with a bi-weekly or more frequent payroll schedule they may use the alternative payroll covered period. Right, so uh, maybe I'm, I'm sure understanding that wrong, but to me, that. more... Yeah, more would be biweekly or weekly, but semi-monthly is not as frequent. So my, my thought was, though, is when I looked at that for a couple of my clients that actually have semi-monthly, if the funding came in right after a pay period, they only have three in the covered period because payroll is not exactly, you know, eight weeks. It's a little longer because right. it's the two months. And so a few people are going to lose out on that fourth payroll because they haven't said semi-monthly can change their dates. 
Yes. However, please keep in mind that it's not just amounts paid, but it's amounts incurred. So well, if true, somebody is working a particular week, then it's still covered under the forgiveness. Portion. Right. Okay. That's perfect. Because, yeah, that was something I was worried about. Like, oh, they're not going to. Because I think we were all focused on making sure you have your expenses that are paid within that period. But so they could theoretically count that last payroll, even if it gets paid a few days later. Okay. Perfect. That is correct. Great. Well, I know there's so much. This is, you know, very overwhelming for a lot of people and confusing. And we've actually already used up the time in this first segment. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue to chat with Michael DeDonato about the Paycheck Protection Program Forgiveness. You're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Biz Help For You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to Biz Help For You. Welcome back to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Michael DeDonato discussed the PPP loan and forgiveness specifics. Now let's continue our discussion with Wendy Posner, a guest on our show in April after she had applied for the PPP loan and her plan on how to implement the use of funds. Let's find out how things are going. Uh, And before I actually ask you your first question, Wendy, I would love to read your bio so people know a little bit more about you. Um, So CEO of Posner Fine Art, Wendy Posner, grew up in the art business in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. After graduating from Boston University, Posner moved to Los Angeles, where she worked for a number of galleries and art consulting firms. In 2014, she acquired Posner Fine Art as a principal, having honed her skills there for over 20 years. In helming PFA, Posner's priority has been to grow her company into an international art consultancy. With an ever-growing global roster of artists, publishers, and galleries, Posner excels at building relationships with both established art stars and undiscovered new talent. An avid traveler, Wendy Posner has journeyed to over 30 countries where she regularly attends art fairs, makes studio visits, and treks to far-flung places. Her quest for unique art and artifacts for her clients provides the inspiration that only comes from experiencing creativity in action and in person. So, Wendy, welcome to the show again. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, I'm glad to have you back. Like I mentioned in our uh, coming back from the first segment, you were on our show back in April, right as the PPP applications were starting to be accepted and you were waiting for funds to come in. So I would love to know, like, obviously, I would assume you got that loan and we want to discuss how that's been going for you. Candy, thank you so much for asking. I was extremely fortunate to have received uh, PPP funding uh, from the first round, whereas there were many businesses that had applied for that and uh, did not receive funding uh, from the first uh, amount of money that were distributed by the government. 
Um, in addition to the PPP, I also was very fortunate to have gotten the IDLES funding as well. And as such, this additional money that we were able to have to cover our payroll and also our uh, health insurance and other costs that were covered under the PPP had allowed us to keep moving forward in terms of our business so that we could uh, continue to pursue and uh, look at new opportunities that were available to us in this current marketplace. So, Wendy, with non-essential businesses unable to operate, what types of work, if any, have your employees been able to help you with since you've been receiving your PPP funds? In terms of from the time that we received the PPP funds, we had decided to sort of shift and pivot our business uh, because as a fine art advisory and being in the luxury business sector, you know, obviously this has greatly impacted our clients as well as our normal uh, work that we would do. So we've decided to use the time to create new opportunities of which we've been in development of a fine art exhibition app that we are looking to get funding for. So we've been working on a business plan. I was Mm -hmm. also extremely fortunate that our firm also had several projects that while they were put on 45-day moratorium, that we are still able to go back and continue to do the work in preparation for when those projects came back online. We've also been able to utilize the time to work on all of our social media, work on new marketing opportunities, and do outreach to new potential clients for the future. It sounds like you're able to take advantage of this time, even though technically you're shut down, you weren't really shut down, you were just using that for other purposes. Yeah, I think that it's really important. I think that, you know, there are certain businesses that, you know, probably aren't as forward thinking in terms of how they're going to navigate these new waters, you know, and I sort of, you know, looked at the uh, entire industry that I was in. We spent a lot of time doing research in terms of how other businesses within our field were going to pivot and shift and move from what would be traditional sort of uh, brick and mortar opportunities to moving to a more virtual and online aspect of our business. And that mm-hmm. would be inclusive of doing like online art exhibition programming, doing experiential collaboration. Uh, one of the projects that we were working on actually was a uh, submittal for the United Nations, which was a call for creatives to uh, create programming to bring awareness to COVID. Uh, through the creative arts, and we submitted one of our photographers that we're representing, which is Julian Lennon, to the United Nations for that as an online exhibition program. So we've really utilized the downtime, uh, I think, favorably, uh, looking towards the future and what our business will be looking like on the other side. Perfect. And did you have the experience where some employees didn't want to return to work because unemployment benefits were available? Or did you have everyone that you asked to come back, you know, continue working? Uh, In terms of uh, when uh, the first uh, wave of the shutdown started to uh, approach and we were looking at the viability of whether our business could continue to move forward. One of the things that we did uh, in the interim while waiting for the PPP funding was to reduce the hours of our employees. Um, I actually was extremely fortunate not to furlough uh, any Mm -hmm. of them um, and also nor lay off any of my employees. Uh, We have a total of four uh, people that are currently on payroll. And by doing the reduction, that helped us to be able to uh, sort of wait to see whether the PPP funding would come in. We also looked at the PPP situation as an opportunity since we were in a luxury business and we weren't sure how long the COVID shutdown was going to take place in terms of at least having the cushion if we needed the additional money to cover our payroll um, due to the fact of project cancellation and new business that would be delayed moving forward. So we know that the guidelines for this PPP loan are you're supposed to spend the funds within the eight weeks. So do you feel that that's too short of a period of time in order to be able to use the funds that you were granted? Or do you think that you'll be able to use what you were able to get in that period of time? I think the biggest issue with the eight-week period of time is that the 
of government and the FDA keeps changing the guidelines in terms of the forgiveness and what it can be used for. So as a business owner, it's very confusing in terms of sorting out, you know, the actual things that we need to track, um, whether it's related to health insurance, what kinds of things under the additional 25% out of the 75% can be used, for example, for utilities, and how we track that appropriately. And so in terms of when we received our actual funding, I sort of held off from actually starting to utilize it until we had further information um, in terms of what we would need to do in order to be able to apply for the loan forgiveness. But I Mm -hmm. think as a small business owner, it's a very difficult topic to navigate. And even in terms of talking to my accountant and or my uh, attorneys and also people who are employment attorneys, uh, the guidelines were not outlined really thoroughly um, in terms of what we really needed to do to be able to utilize the money appropriately. Right. Well, if you're unable to use all the funds within the required time frame and it doesn't change, we know that Congress is, you know, being petitioned to potentially pass, you know, an extension or things like that. And that has not happened, you know, at this point. Um, But so if you can't use it within the eight weeks, have you thought about if you're just going to return the unused money or have it turn into a loan to repay over the next two years to maintain the capital? Um, I think that it will depend upon where our business stands at that point in time. You know, I think that for most uh, small businesses like myself, that it obviously is not very difficult to spend that money for payroll and for the utilities, and especially uh, given the fact that we don't know what's around the corner yet in terms of business picking back up to the, uh, you know, way it was previously and whether or not uh, this is going to be something, especially in our industry, that will be a one-year turnaround. So I think that ultimately we'll be able to spend that money in advance. But if we don't, I think that we'll look at what the final determinations are, whether Congress passes to extend that period of time and or uh, whether or not it's financially more beneficial for us to take it as the loan versus repaying it at that time. Right. So, Michael, I'd love to bring you back into this conversation, too, and as we were just talking about, you know, should we, you know, hold on to funds after the eight weeks and have it turn into a loan or, or different things? There's a lot of things to consider. And I know one of the things that as of now that I have read is that if the PPP amount is forgiven, that whatever expenses that you have paid through that loan is not able to be written off on your tax return, which then therefore increases your profit and the tax liability. Can you touch on that a little bit and explain really what employers would need to know about that? Because I don't think a lot of people understand that that's potentially going to be happening. I'd be happy to do so, but first I have breaking news. I just received notice that the House has passed an extension for the eight-week period to 24 weeks. And oh, the House fabulous. has reduced. Yeah, the House has reduced the requirement. Uh, it was 25-25, now it's 60-40. Still needs to go to the Senate, but that literally just passed. Oh, great. Um, well, it's good news. <laughs> so, but yeah, thank you for that. good news, except what does it mean? <laughs> But again, this is why we have this conversation to go over this. Right. So what that means is you now have a longer period of time to obtain, uh, to spend the money or incur the expenses to obtain forgiveness. It went to 24 weeks. And non-payroll costs can now be up to 40% versus 25%. That's what it means. Great. Okay. In answer to your question, Candy... Um, normally, in normal circumstances, payroll expenses, rent, utilities, those types of business expenses are deductible on your business tax return. However, right. the CARES Act, uh, and additionally, normally, a debt forgiven is a taxable event. Mm-hmm. The CARES Act eliminated the taxable event associated with debt forgiveness. So if you receive forgiveness for PPP loans, you don't have taxable income associated with that debt forgiven. Mm-hmm. The IRS then came back and said, okay, that's nice, but if you have payroll expenses that have been paid by those funds that have now been forgiven, you can no longer deduct them, same as true for the non-payroll costs. So right. you get a benefit in the sense that you have a forgiven loan, but you do not get the double benefit of taking the tax deduction. 
Right. I think the business owners who know about this, again, as I've been talking to my clients and making them aware and suggesting they talk to their CPA to figure out what's better, you know, for them in the long run. um, The ones who did kind of hear about it and knew about it were a little bit frustrated because they're like, hey, we were struggling. We didn't have the money. This helped us keep our employees. And now we're being, quote unquote, punished, you know, for taking this grant and, you know, now we're going to have to pay more in taxes. And especially if they were bigger, you know, loans that uh, are turning into grants, it's going to be a very large taxable amount that they weren't expecting. I, I wouldn't call it a punishment. Keep in mind that they've had a very, potentially very large loans to give them. They don't have to right. pay back. No, I, um, I see it that so. way. But I think that's the perception is, hey, I'm trying my best to stay in business. I got this, you know, to kind of keep my employees on payroll so they didn't go on unemployment. And now here it means I'm going to owe, you know, this much more in tax than I anticipated. Right. And by the way, I honor those people and respect those business owners that kept their employees on payroll while we were going through this crisis. I think that it was a great thing for those business owners to stand up and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me share a couple of thoughts. Um, As usual, you should let your business judgment guide your use of the funds. Remember the goal. The goal is to maintain liquidity and to support the business and recover. Um, right. So let's not get hung up on this forgiveness. I mean, in the end, it's a 1% loan payable over right. essentially 18 months. So let's make the strategic decision to appropriately use those funds like Wendy has. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that and- means you should come up with a cash flow budget and planning However, keep in mind that the overall intent and purpose of the program was to keep people out of unemployment lines and and help the economy. Right, right. I think the one client that I talked to about this, he just had a much larger um, amount because he has five restaurants. He had like 150 employees and he was keeping them on the payroll. And uh, when I like let him know this, these are the options you have to consider forgiveness and have it become a taxable amount on your income tax return, or it turns into a loan at 1%, but it's a large amount. And so that payback in the two years, which potentially might be five, also there's petitioning going on for that too, but you know that would be difficult if you had it go into a loan. So I think there's a lot of juggling that people have to figure out what's in their best interest. And that's why I keep saying, talk to your CPA and really get you know, professional uh, feedback on where you should be going with this. Right. Um, I think there's another Well, hold on one second, Wendy. Let me have him finish, and then we'll get to you when we come back, because we're actually about having to take a break. Okay. So when you signed up for the loan, you had to sign up with certain certifications. And one of those certifications would be that you'd be using the majority of the funds to retain employees. Right. Now, the, the other certification was that uh, you in good faith, stated that you really need the money. Mm-hmm. The SBA has come out and said that anyone receiving amounts less than $2 million will assume to have made that certification in good faith. Right. So you don't have to prove your good faith intention. Right, exactly. Um, well, actually, right now, it is time to take another quick break. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to hear more from Michael DeDonato and Wendy Posner on the topic of the Paycheck Protection Program forgiveness process. We'll be right back after a brief commercial break. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. 
our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to BizHelp for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Today we've been discussing the SBA PPP loan forgiveness process. Let's continue our discussion on this important topic. So, Wendy, right before we went to break, you had a question. Yeah, my question, you know, which I guess would be towards Michael, is, you know, with the current announcement of the extension of the forgiveness uh, in terms of the PPP or utilization of the PPP funds to 24 weeks, what does that mean in terms of businesses for their payroll? Is it possible for a company like myself to continue with reduced hours but keeping our employees on our payroll uh, because of the extension? Because perhaps the landscape will look different within that period of time rather than the eight-week period of time. I think that that's, you know, something that's a big question that a lot of uh, employers would have because we are keeping employees working, but if we still can't continue to pay them the full amount of their normal salary, is that going to be impacted or will that change? So before the House passed this most recent legislation, uh, the rule was that any single employee whose payroll uh, was reduced by 25% or more, your forgiveness amount would drop. And or if you reduce your FBEs, the FBE is full-time equivalent, and that is based upon 40 hours per week. Some people are saying 30 hours per week. That is not correct. It's 40 hours per week. So if you had two employees working 20 hours per week, that's one FTE. So if your FTEs dropped during the covered period and or any single employee had their wages reduced by more than 25%, your forgiveness portion would be reduced. In regards to the new legislation, quite honestly, I haven't read all the details, and I didn't see any changes to that requirement um, in the summary that I just read. Obviously, the time frame would have to be extended with regards to um, the FTEs and the payroll costs. If, In other words, if you bring back FTEs by the end of the covered period, and the covered period is now 24 weeks, you meet a safe harbor. That's also true for payroll costs. If you bring them back... And, and so in regards wages, to that, with the reduction of 25%, Michael, so you could still reduce your employees by 25%, but no more than that. Is that is that what you're saying in terms you, of your forgiveness, the amount? Your forgiveness, it's employee by employee. Your forgiveness will be reduced if your payroll costs or payroll wages for that employee are reduced by more than 25%. There is a safe harbor calculation to be done. If you restore those wages by the end of the covered period, then you meet the safe harbor requirement. And or if you restore the FDEs by the end of the covered period, you meet the safe harbor requirement. I actually had another question regarding uh, the forgiveness because it said if things were in effect as of February 15th. And my understanding is that was also the expenses. So if you had a lease in place, if you had your utilities in place, what about a business who in this process was moving to a new location? And so, you know, they have a different lease. They have, you know, maybe a different account with the utility company. Maybe they change vendors for their phone service or something. Would that still qualify for them or does that disqualify them now? Because technically that wasn't in place as of February 15th. It disqualifies them. The 
the law is very clear about this. The forgiveness calculation is very clear. It has to have been in existence as of February 15, 2020. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. But then I was thinking, well, if you had rent in one place, but then you moved to another, you know, you technically had had leases prior, but I wasn't sure how that was going to work. So I thought I'd better ask that question uh, because I have a no. client in that situation that just moved from one state to another, actually. And I was telling him I didn't think he'd be able to write off those expenses since his move. No. And let me add to that, by the way, oftentimes leases contain common area maintenance costs. Mm-hmm. Those are not eligible for forgiveness. They're referred to as CAM. Mm-hmm. And if you have a home office or expenses, you have to declare those expenses on your Schedule C if you're a sole proprietor in order to obtain forgiveness for those expenses. Mm-hmm. Right. Perfect. And and one of the things that, like, where Wendy was actually asking about, you know, that 25% reduction or what if you had less employees um, than you had before, I know I was reading, too, about some of the exceptions to that rule, including if someone decides not to come back if you've offered them employment. Can you just touch on what those exceptions might be that would allow someone to still get the forgiveness even if their full-time equivalent number is less? So the SBA came out with an interim ruling which stated that if somebody refuses to come back to work, you have to offer them the same hours and wages, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, that they had prior to them leaving. Um, You have to make the offer in writing and you have to inform them if they fail to come back that their unemployment compensation may be disallowed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do that and you document it, uh, then once again, you meet a safe harbor. Uh, right. By the way, in the state of California, every employer who makes a reasonable offer to someone that is now taking unemployment, if they refuse to take a, uh, the offer, you're required to report it within eight days to the Employment Development Department, DDD. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's important for them to know, too. And I assume that's because then the employee wouldn't qualify for unemployment anymore because they've been offered a potential work situation again. That is correct. Okay. So... If employees don't turn to return to work, then those dollars that they were expecting to pay towards that, then that can be kind of accounted for as if they would have spent it and then they would still be able to use that as forgiveness. And now I guess now that we know that it's extended 24 weeks, they would be using it most likely anyway. That's a big difference from eight weeks to 24 weeks. That's true. The other thing you can do is increase hours for other employees that might have been part-time, increase Uh compensation for others. If you've been taken less than, as a sole proprietor, less than 15385 over an eight-week period, increase your own compensation. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yep. And I think that's the main thing. Is the main thing, the reason that people were getting this is just to have the capital to be able to op- operate the business to have the employees working. So if you have that available, the funding is available, and you have the hours where you can bring someone back on, um, that's important. But there are some businesses here, especially in California, that haven't even been able to open yet. And I think that was the big concern about the eight weeks and bringing people on and if they didn't really have work. So I am actually glad to hear about the 24 weeks because we are starting you know, to reopen in stages. And hopefully by the time they can open and bring their employees on, they'll start to use those funds and be able to still get the forgiveness. Yes, it's important for all of us to get back to work while mitigating the risk. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, that's the balance that we have to, you know, on both sides. It's important, you know, economically for people to get the income. But, yes, we want to keep people healthy and safe. So and I would productive. like to just. What was that? And productive. Oh, yes, for sure. So in terms of the loan repayment program, I know it's through the bank, but the SBA is, you know, going to deal with the banks on that, too. But I would love to know how that's going to be managed uh, for, you know, them going through this process and getting it approved, like what that might look like, how long that might take for them to even find out if they are going to have the amount forgiven. And if it's not forgiven, any portion is not forgiven, like how is that going to be monitored? Are they just going to have normal like loan statements like you would have from a normal, you know, loan if you opened it and here's your payment plan or how is that going to work? Let me address the first question, which is basically coming down in audit and documentation. And even before I get to that, there's one other point I need to make. For those uh, businesses that received advances against the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, IDLE, Mm -hmm. that amount is to be deducted from your PPP. In in Mm -hmm. essence, 
it was an advance against your PPP. So please keep right. that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards to audit and documentation, the SBA has released extensive requirements for documentation. We don't have the time on this call to go through that documentation. The only thing I can say is keep everything. Keep payroll reports, keep invoices, keep canceled checks, keep bank statements. Because when it comes to applying, and you must apply, by the way, it doesn't come naturally. Mm -hmm. You must apply for forgiveness. Uh, You need to to be able to provide all of that documentation in order to qualify for the forgiveness. Um, Payroll tax filings, for example, canceled checks, invoices, payment receipts, account statements, contributions to employee health plans. All of those items get organized and have them ready when the bank asks for them and when Mm -hmm. you fill out your application. Right. I've actually been telling customers who've been calling me because we've had a lot of people with questions and I'm saying create, you know, just one file that you're going to put your proofs of everything that you've been spending. If you want us to help you, we need to get, you know, copies of all of that. So everything is ready and then you can go to the bank with, you know, one folder of all that support. Um, And it's great to do it as you're paying those. Right. So you don't have to get it later on. But yes, it's a good way to have that all together and ready to go. Similar to preparing for your own tax return, and you may not actually have to physically go to the bank, may be able to send it, depending on the bank or the lender, online. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if they have everything, you know, and they, you know, take it, but they do have a reduction for whatever reason, like you said, they had an idle loan, so maybe they had $10,000 advance, so $10,000 is not forgiven, or maybe they didn't use all the funds, or they didn't use it exactly in the ratio that they were supposed to. How is that? going to be handled going forward? For those individuals, well, everybody received a PPP loan already signed off on a promissory note. It's a standard promissory note. Uh, And that promissory note carries the terms of the loan. So if it's not forgiven, you have to meet the terms of the loan. So keep in mind, it needs to be paid back based upon a promissory note. Um, Mm -hmm. And you should plan in for your cash flow. With the first payment not due until six months, with the interest accrued onto the principal for those first six months. So Mm -hmm. you will have 18 months to pay it back to the lender. And if you don't pay it back to the lender on time, you're going to be subject to the same issues you would normally have with any particular loan, such as late mm-hmm. fees, uh, additional interest payments, and so on. So all I can say about that is be timely on your payments at 1%. There shouldn't be any reason not to. Right. Well, I guess the other question that I have, and now, I guess with time being extended to 24 you know, weeks, that's going to change like when that six-month deferral begins and then when the two years is due, correct? It won't be the date of funding. It's the date of when that finishes, um, you know, like that 24 weeks? I did weeks? not see when, I did not see the details regarding the extension of the deferral. That is something we'll help both law to look at. I just don't have that detail right now. Okay. But I believe you're correct. They will have to extend that deferral period. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think there's just so much. And like I said, with the breaking news, it throws kind of, you know, a whole twist into the whole thing and knowing when that's going to be done. But the main thing is if it's really not, you know, if everything is not forgiven, there is a loan period where they're going to have to pay that back. We don't know how long it's going to take for them to find out if everything is forgiven or not, how that process is going to take. So I think we're going to have a lot more we'll be hearing that will specify, you know, these terms a little bit more. Keep in mind that the period actually has to run before you gather all the documentation. Right. I mean, most the eight-week period hasn't even run, run yet for most people. Right. Right. So we have a long way to go here. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And like I said, when we decided to have this conversation, we thought, oh, it's going to be some of the people will have just been getting close to that eight weeks. And this will be something they'll be worried about is the forgiveness or, you know, if it's going to be not forgiven, they need to start planning for that as well. Um, but there's been so much information here and believe it or not, we're actually towards the end of the show. Um, I would love for you just to let listeners know again, how they can reach out if they want some help from an SBDC, how they can reach out to a local, you know, area for themselves to talk to a professional that can maybe help them understand this a little bit better. Sure. So we are part of America's SBDC. If you look up ASBDC, Google it, you'll find centers across the country. We provide free services and they think of us as a management consulting firm and we have experts in every area uh, that are there to help you in any aspect of your business. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so just reach out to the ASBDC website, and you'll be able to find us or the SBA.gov website. And by the way, the SBA.gov website has wonderful resources for every business owner. Right. Yeah, they definitely are a great resource. And so is the SBDC. I know I've referred people there as well. And it's, you know, definitely a free resource available to business owners. So if you have something and not just on this topic, but if you need help with marketing or legal or things, there's people in different areas that can help you. So if you have a need, reach out and make an appointment and talk with a professional. Uh, But I just wanted to thank you, Michael and Wendy, for being guests on my show. Again, this is a topic with, you know, still quite a bit unknown, but I wanted to really be able to have a conversation and start to share details with listeners so they can feel a little bit more comfortable about what's happening. So thank you so much. Uh, I want to also My thank pleasure. the listeners. Oh, thanks, Wendy. I also want to thank the listeners for tuning into the show today. Again, this is uh, an important and very timely topic. So I hope that uh, the information has been helpful for you. Uh, if you have any additional questions about the PPP loan program and the upcoming forgiveness process, again, reach out to the SBDC, make an appointment and chat with them. You can also send us any additional questions or comments that you have, and you can reach us at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know and they would find this helpful? I'd really appreciate your support and I'm sure they would as well. Next week's topic is launch a profitable business. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is www.abandp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on www.voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to BizHelp for You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.